0: Day and what a blessing to be able to get together and to celebrate Easter together, brothers and sisters in Christ, and uh, just to come together to raise our voices and praise God for our praise team to help us and usher us in and uh, do all that stuff. So it was a blessing today. They had so many guys up there and girls up there doing doing the deal. So what God has called them to do. So all right. So I wanna. I want to begin today with some basic stuff. Because I believe it's very important to understand this. And it's important to understand that the fall of man, when sin into the world, it affected everything. And most importantly, it affected the relationship that God wants to have with us. Sin entered the world through the disobedience of Adam and Eve. And from that point forward, we were all born sinful. And this presented a problem for a holy God who could have nothing to do with sin, yet desires a personal relationship with us. There is a price to be paid for sin, a penalty to be paid, excuse me, and we're deserving of that penalty. We're deserving of death. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. So there's man in sin, accountable to pay the price for that sin, unable to have a personal relationship with God that God himself desires. There is no way to fix it in our own power. There is no way to remove sin. The Bible says that when you're sinful, it's as if you're dressed in filthy rags. And for us, there's no way under our own device to change clothes. And so the only one who could help with this, the only one who could do anything, the only one who could change anything was the creator of the universe, God. And he came up with a plan. He had a plan to satisfy the penalty for sin. He had a plan that would enable us to have the relationship with him that he desired. And his plan came with a name. And that name was Jesus Christ. And it was God's plan for Jesus Christ to come to earth, 100% God, 100% man, to die on the cross for the sins of the world, to die as a substitute for us, as a final sacrifice so that the penalty would be paid. It was through his atoning work on the cross that there is forgiveness available and the gift of eternal salvation for those who repent and accept him as Lord and Savior. And when we do that and we receive that forgiveness, we receive that forgiveness that is available, it comes with one of the greatest of miracles, and that is the healing of our soul. But what does this mean for believers? It means that we are washed clean by the blood of the Lamb, and God no longer sees someone dripping with sin, but rather someone washed white as snow, sin removed. It means that the filthy rags that I spoke about have been taken off and replaced by or exchanged for clothes of righteousness. It means that our destination has been changed from hell to heaven with an eternity not separated from God, but with God. Everything I just said, I find cause and reason, and it really moves me to sing that song, It Is Well With My Soul. And I almost at a loss for words sometime when I try to explain it because it's something that should cause gratitude to well up inside of us as we raise our voices and really contemplate what we're singing and how we got there. It's good to remember that a healed soul and a reconciled relationship to God can only come through Jesus Christ by God's grace. And it's good to remember what this whole week and these chain of events that we just went through is actually all about. What the eternal ramifications are for people. This last week has been about the who and the how, about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ's what he made for us, and the fulfilling of God's plan. And this last week is called Passion Week, which most of you are familiar with. In the events of that week, as things unfolded, great eternal significance for you, for me, for the world. And during that week, as we move from Palm Sunday through the Last Supper, through Good Friday, And finally, the Easter Sunday, we see there have been days that, for Jesus, are filled with betrayal, anxiety, prayer, mocking, ridicule, brutal beatings, whippings, ending in a slow, inhumane death, nailed to a cross, dying of asphyxiation and cardiac arrest then buried in a tomb, and then the miraculous. Luke 24 one says this, But for very early on Sunday morning, the women came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found that the stone covering the entrance had been rolled aside, so they went in, but they couldn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. They were puzzled, trying to think what could have happened to it. Suddenly, two men appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes, The women were terrified and bowed bowed low before them. Then asked the men, why are you looking? Then the men asked them, excuse me, why are you looking in the tomb for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Don't you remember what he told you back in Galilee? That the son of man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. The women who went to the tomb were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and several others. They told the apostles about what had happened, but the story sounded like nonsense, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter ran to the tomb to look. He stooped in, he peered in, and he saw the empty linen wrappings, and then he went home again. Wondering what had happened. I think it's important that we need to, let's remember that at this point, the apostles had distanced themselves from Christ. They were watching as a distance as he was brutalized. They were battling with their own fear as the powers to be were having their way with the son of God. They were probably wondering in their own heads and asking the question, why is he taking this? Why isn't he doing anything? They witnessed his death and maybe it seemed to all come crashing down for them at that point. He was dead and then he was buried. His followers had already been dispersed, scared, emotionally distraught. Some of them were probably struggling with this. This was being the end. The end of their journey. Their teacher was dead their powerful movement, they were a part of, was stopped dead in its tracks. In their minds, they were not expecting him to leave the tomb. They were not expecting him to be resurrected. When the disciples were told that the tomb that he was gone and the tomb was empty, they thought it nonsense. When Peter saw it and the grave was empty. He really didn't know that Christ had been risen, that Christ had risen. See, they had forgotten something. And with the empty tomb came this reminder. And what did the guy say? He said, remember what he said in Galilee. And in Matthew says, the Son of Man is, this is what Jesus is saying to them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him and on the third day he will be raised to life. He told him it was going to happen. He told them that he was going to be betrayed, told them that he was going to die, told them that he was going to be resurrected, but they did not fully understand what he was saying to them. They did not fully understand what it all meant. They didn't understand God's plan or see it clearly as it was unfolding. They did not see the big picture. When the tomb is discovered empty, there is confusion. Scripture says, even for John, John believed, but he still really didn't understand what was happening as God's plan was unfolding. For those who had walked with Christ, listened to his teaching, witnessed his miracles, there was shock. Even for Peter, who had experienced the power of God and temporarily walked on water, doubt and confusion. And I'm sure in the midst of all this doubt, in the midst of all this confusion, that the questions were being asked what happened to the body? And just like then, the same thing today, false ideas are put out about what happened. Things are said that need to be refuted. The enemy will always have his hand in with coming up with other reasons. For some, they thought that his body was stolen, but we know that the Roman gods would have never let that happen. And they certainly wouldn't have fallen asleep because the penalty for that was death. Some said that the Jewish Jewish religious leaders stole his body, but we know that wouldn't be the case either because they wouldn't want to make a martyr out of him. Some suggest, and even today they suggest, this, that maybe he wasn't dead when he was placed in the tomb. But the disciples and the Romans knew he was. There was no doubt that he had died on the cross. And John had witnessed the Roman guard thrust the spear between his ribs into his heart, resulting in blood and water flowing from the wound. He was dead and therefore they didn't need to break his legs because they used to break the legs to speed up the process of death to get them off the cross. And both thieves, one on either side, they broke their legs. But when they got to Christ, it wasn't necessary because why? They knew he was dead. And so the apostles, beyond a doubt, knew he was dead, knew he was buried in the tomb. They were confused to why the tomb was empty. And then they remembered what he had said. And then their confusion was replaced by confirmation as Jesus Christ begins appearing to people personally. On Easter, he appeared to Mary Magdalene, appeared to Mary, mother of James, Salome, and Joanna. And later in the day, two disciples on the road to Emmaus, Peter, and then the apostles, and then over the next 40 days, he's going to appear to Thomas and he's going to appear to over 500 at one time. See, for them, there was no longer any doubt why the tomb was empty, because Jesus Christ had been resurrected by the power of God. And they knew it. And just as he had told them. They realized it was not ending, an ending of their movement, but a validation of it. The resurrection of Jesus authenticated who he claimed to be. And who was that? The Messiah, the Son of God. He was God. This was a movement that wasn't going to be stopped. This was a movement that would carry with it a message of death and resurrection that would spread throughout the world, giving all a chance to repent and come to faith in Christ. This was a movement that the gates of hell were not going to prevail against. We celebrate Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, because it's as crucial today as it was to the disciples. Because without it, without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there'd be no eternal life. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there'd be no resurrection for us when Christ returns. Without it, the teachings of Jesus would be words on a page. Without it, the supernatural promises for the followers of Christ would be empty at best. Without it, without it, walking in the power of God would be non-existent because there would not be any power of God. Without it, essentially, there'd be no Christianity. John eleven twenty-five says, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die like everyone else, will live again. They are given eternal life for believing in me and will never perish. that tomb wasn't empty and Jesus had not risen, if he was not proved to be God, then it would all be a bunch of malarkey. If he wasn't raised from the dead, then we would all still be dead in our sin with no hope. But because he was raised from the dead, we knew he paid the price for us. And it was a sacrifice that God accepted. Because He was risen, we know that God exists and has a power to raise from the dead. Because He is risen, we know that He is the Son of God, God Himself. For believers to walk in faith, to be obedient to the word, to stand on the promises of God, to pray and expect an answer is more than a hopeful wish. Why? Because Christ is risen. It's all true. We can put our faith in Jesus Christ because it's all true. Now, this is important, and I want you to remember this, because we're going to talk about them in a second. The resurrection for the disciples was not a matter of belief. It wasn't. Because after the Lord's appearances, it was a matter of fact. See, they knew Christ had risen because, why? They saw him, they ate with him, they touched him, they spoke with him. They knew he was alive. For the disciples, the empty tomb no longer came with confusion, but it came with clarity. It didn't meet defeat, but rather victory. It strengthened their faith, and it readied them for what they had to do. They were convinced. And they began spreading a specific message that Jesus was the Messiah who died on the cross and on the third day rose again. And they spent the rest of their lives proclaiming it, even though they underwent tremendous hardship. And really, it gave them no additional benefit. They persevered through tremendous difficulties and persecution. They went without food. They went without sleep. They were ridiculed, beaten, imprisoned, tortured, most executed. Why would they endure that? Why would they preach salvation is found on no one else? For there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved, which is Jesus Christ. Why would they call people to repentance? Because they knew that on Easter Sunday Christ was resurrected, they knew that Jesus is alive. They know or knew that Jesus is God. They knew that Christ had conquered death and that arisen Christ confirmed everything that He taught them to be divine. And with that conviction and with that convincing, they would take the gospel message to the world, all in, even until the point of death. What do we know about that with them? Church tradition tells us this and just a few things. James, son of Zebedee, was executed by Herod. Andrew was crucified. Philip was arrested and put to death. Matthew was stabbed to death in Ethiopia. Thomas was pierced through with spears of four soldiers. Bartholomew met his death as a martyr for the gospel. The son of, James, the son of Alphaeus, was stoned and then clubbed to death. Simon the zealot was killed after refusing to sacrifice to a sun god. Matthias was burned to death. Paul was beheaded by the sword. Peter was crucified upside down at his own request because he thought himself unworthy to die in the same manner that Jesus Christ did. These were all Christians. These were all followers of Christ who died, would not recant their faith, and they didn't die for a lie. They knew what the resurrection meant. And that's why I think it's good to be reminded everything that happened, everything that this means, how important the resurrection is to Christianity. It's good to remember the events of Passion Week and Easter Sunday because it's a time that we can actually examine our own commitment and how much we actually believe. Do we believe that he he was resurrected on Easter Sunday? Do we believe he was resurrected on Easter Sunday? Do we believe he was resurrected on Easter Sunday? Do we believe that he is alive? Do we believe we can walk in the power of God? Do we believe we have to share the gospel message? See, I praise God. I am so grateful that he conquered death and rose from that tomb. But also when it comes to this day, I have to look at myself and I have to examine where I'm at and what kind of commitment I have. Am I walking this walk with my life on the line? And I don't care because I believe Jesus Christ rose from the dead. God's plan. It's only because Christ is alive that his believers can have eternal salvation, that our souls are healed, that heaven awaits. The songs say that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. It is well with my soul. Today, for those who have not repented, for those who have not accepted forgiveness that is available, available through Jesus Christ... For those who have not asked him into their life as Lord and Savior, I just simply said this. Consider everything that's been said. Consider the plan that God himself came up with. Consider that knocking you may be hearing on your door. Because that may be God drawing you to himself, to his son. And I want to encourage you, if you need to know more, talk to a pastor. If you need to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, talk to a pastor. If you need, and you do need this, you need to change your destination from hell to heaven, talk to a pastor. Let us explain. Let us introduce you to our Lord and Savior. It's my hope for those today who belong to Jesus Christ that we take a moment and we truly recognize the importance of a risen Christ to Christianity, to our lives, to our eternal destination. I pray maybe that today would be that spark, that that little pilot light inside of us, with the, the gas would get turned on and we'd be filled with the Holy Spirit and we would have to go into the world despise the cost. We don't care. We just want to share Jesus Christ. We want to live that life that he wants us to live, not that the world wants us to live. And we want to lay everything on the line and that is, that is my prayer for us. As God clearly speaks that we would clearly hear. I'm going to end this service with a, with a song. And I'm going to we're going to play it as well with my soul again. And as as you sing it, I would pray that it would be more than just words on, up there on the screen, that you would sing it from your heart, that you would have gratitude and thankfulness, that you would press into God, that it would be like a prayer rising from your from your mouth to God's ear. So I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up on the platform, please, the altar. And listen, as you sing this song and you raise your voices to the Lord, enjoy it. It should not be work. Actually, it's a privilege. Amen. Please stand with me, brothers and sisters in Christ, and let's praise the King.